And welcome to the Employment Hour. The number is one 855 Lior, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails rather later on today. If uh, you're wondering about your severance package, don't know what it entails, maybe you don't think you're getting enough, maybe you have a friend or a family member that wants to call in or at least email in and is a little too shy to get the information. In the next hour, we'll cover a whole bunch of stuff as it uh, pertains to employment law. As always, uh, Lior, we start with the week that was. Yeah, and I always like to start off the show by talking about a couple of specific calls that I had a couple of situations in this case that I resolved this past week uh, that I think uh, paint an interesting picture for our listeners and, and uh, have some important lessons. Both of these issues have to do with constructive dismissal. As you, you know, John, constructive dismissal is the idea or the, the situation where something happens to the terms of employment when they change to the extent that you don't have to continue working. Right. You can leave and still treat that as a termination and get your severance. So in these situations, this is what happened. The first case I'll tell you about involved a gentleman who was a salesperson for a company that sold uh, medical equipment. Okay. Uh, now, he was a salesperson for years, and his territory was the province of Ontario. So that he, he sold throughout the province, uh, and the company had different salespeople in different provinces. Well, uh, some time ago, uh, the company decided that, well, from now on, he's only going to be focusing on central and eastern Ontario. So Toronto, east over to Ottawa, and that corridor, and that's it. And west of Toronto... Uh, will be handled by a different salesperson, a new person they just hired. So effectively, they took his territory and cut it almost in half. Well, the the problem is this person was uh, heavily commissioned compensated. So the vast majority of his compensation came from commission. And if you take my territory now... Uh, I'm on a commission and you make it half of what it was, I'm going to make a lot less money. Totally. And that's what exactly happened with this person. After doing that for a, for a couple of months, he realized exactly that, that he's making a lot less money. He called me and I said, well, no, that is a constructive dismissal. Even though they're not telling you we're reducing your compensation, the net effect of what they are doing is that your compensation is being reduced. So because of that, uh, he decided that what's best for him is to leave and get severance. So that's exactly what he did. He ended up leaving. Uh, and we this past week, we settled on excellent terms. We got him his full severance because clearly that was a constructive dismissal. You can't take a salesperson, reduce their territory, and pretend that it's just business as usual. Uh, so this reduced his compensation, so therefore, therefore a constructive dismissal. So an example of a situation where the compensation may change without the employer actually making official changes right. to the compensation just by way of what they've done. Second situation, uh, a different but also you know fairly fairly subtle type of a constructive dismissal, another gentleman that had worked for a call center for a major financial institution. So he had a, a target that he had to meet. He had to speak to a certain number of people every single day. Uh, and for years he had been doing that. He'd been doing it for about four or five years. No problem. He always met his targets, was a very good employee. Well, in, in his last review, the em- employer told him, just so you know, for the next year, we have decided that we're increasing the target. So now instead of, let's say, 50 people a day, you have to talk to 70 people a day. And he said, well, I don't think that's possible right now for me to meet the target that you already have. I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone all day. There's really not enough hours in the workday for me to do that. Well, they said, too bad. That's our target. Figure it out. Well, fast forward uh, to a few months later when he got his performance review. And they said, well, you did a really bad job. You couldn't meet our target. So we're putting you on a performance improvement plan. And be warned that if you can't meet that target, we're going to let you go for cause. He called me and he asked, well, what do I do here? I said, by virtue of them changing your target in such an unreasonable way and then punishing you 
when you cannot meet that unreasonable target, that is a constructive dismissal. They've now changed the terms of employment. So you don't actually have to sit and, and try to uh, or wait for them to fire you. You can leave now if you so choose. And that is exactly what happened. He ended up leaving. We got him just this past week. We settled on the basis of his full severance, five-year employee. We got him just over seven months' pay. Uh, and, and again, very subtle type of change. They just increased his target uh, by, by making it impossible to meet, by penalizing him when he cannot meet the impossible target, that was a constructive dismissal. He got severance. So if any of our listeners, again, are in a situation where the employer is changing the terms of employment, it makes it unreasonable to continue working, makes it very difficult to continue working, guess what? That could be a constructive dismissal. You don't have to accept that. There's recourse. Both those cases, though, it seems like even though the employer had made changes, now you've often said you don't have to accept the changes, like you said, it's constructive dismissal, but they both they both continued working whilst the changes were in effect. Doesn't that automatically say, well, you've accepted it? Good question. Excellent question. I was hoping actually you'd ask that. Uh, and here's, well, I've been doing the show a little yeah, while. You, yeah, I've learned. You're starting to learn. <laughs> right? Good. Have good effect on you. So uh, if, with the first gentleman, uh, they reduced the, the target. Sorry, they, they reduced the, uh, the territory. But he still had a right to find out, is it going to really impact right. his compensation? So maybe be because of extra marketing efforts, that territory now is going to still generate more business, the reduced territory. So it's only when he actually saw on paper that now I am making less money that it was a constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. So he had the ability to try it out. With respect to the second gentleman, the one with the call center, again, he had. it's really only when he got punished. So it's not a soft target. You didn't mean it, no big deal. Now we're punishing you. That's when it became uh, a constructive dismissal. So really, once the employer said, you didn't meet it, we're punishing you, we're putting you on a performance improvement plan, that's when the constructive dismissal happened. A lot of big uh, headlines happening this week in and around the GTA. We'll get to a bunch of those and discuss them with Lior. In the meantime, the number is one 821 5900 and email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some of those this hour as well. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The Employment Hour right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML. It is uh, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com through email. So a lot of headlines, a lot of stories happening in the past couple weeks, actually. We'll talk about uh, one right off the top that is uh, central to Toronto. I guess that would be the Toronto Star, the big manufacturing uh, facility up there at uh, Highway 7 and 400 uh, closing. Yeah, and you know, very unfortunate situation, and you know, not not unusual this time of year. A lot of uh, companies make these big moves early in the new year. Uh, you know, they decided that last year. They're making the moves now, and uh, the unfortunate part, of course, uh, for for all the employees there, they're losing their jobs. And you know, I don't know that there's anything here unusual other than to say that certainly for those non-union employees right. that are losing their jobs. The same rules apply. Just because this is the Toronto Star doesn't change the fact that you have to get legal advice to make sure that your severance offer is appropriate. doesn't matter if you work there for three months or 30 years. You have to make sure that your severance offer is appropriate. So for those folks there, what do they do? Well, they can call us on the show. They can call me at the office. Or certainly they can go to severancepaycalculator.com because they've all been offered severance. And they have to make sure that whatever they've been offered is appropriate. So severancepaycalculator.com is going to tell them that. Now, for the unionized employees right. there, you know, the, the answer for them or the situation for them is even more complicated. Uh, and that is they still get severance, but it's going to be a fraction of what they, it would be if they were not unionized employees, simply because unionized employees, when it comes to termination of employment, get very little. So they could be as little as a week's pay per year of service. It could be less than that. 
So, uh, but then again, they have to make sure they get that. The union is the only one allowed to help these individuals. So unionized employees have to go through the union. You get the severance that you get. Uh, there's really not an opportunity there to, to negotiate or mm-hmm. to ensure that it's proper. It is what it is. For the non-union employees, again, just because you've been offered something, please do not assume that it's proper. Right. In fact, chances are it's not proper, not because it's the Toronto Star, nothing against them at all, simply because in my experience with employers across all the province, uh, across all the entire country, the vast majority of severance offers are not appropriate, so you have to make the call. Or you have to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Number uh, two was the one that was actually just really quick, like the uh, doors were locked and it was all over, and that is the goodwill closing all their doors in the uh, GTA, letting people go. Yeah, and you know th- that is you know tragic on many levels. And for the most part, my understanding is that with the, the goodwill stores, uh, these individuals, for the most part, were all unionized employees. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, what happens there is they haven't yet f- uh, found out if this is permanent. And, you know, I know the union is trying to figure out if they're going to reopen those stores, are they going to go back to work. It's really uh, up to the union to decide what they want to do. Are they going to pursue these individuals' severance? Again, it's going to be limited because they're part of a union. Or are they going to wait and hope that these people go back to work? Obviously, uh, because severance is not going to be significant for these folks because they're unionized yep. employees, it's better for them to go back to work. So I think the union is going to be waiting and hoping that Goodwill is going to reopen those uh, those stores. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, again, one of those things that the individuals don't really have a choice. They have to sit there and wait until the union and the employer figure out what to do. Whereas if these were non-unionized employees, they don't have to. They could decide to act and do something right now. The interesting part of that is, John, my understanding from reading the news stories is one of the reasons why the uh, those uh, centers closed, the Goodwill centers closed, is because of the fact that the company was unionized. They had to pay a lot of money uh, you know, in, in extra fees, right. and the employer didn't have flexibility uh, to make certain changes. Uh, you know, They were tied to the collective agreement, and that cost them so much money that now they had to close the store. So the, in this situation, the unionized environment caused the stores to close Turn down. Turn bites you in the rear end. And now yep. when they're closed, they, the union can't even help you. So, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm not, this is not a political statement, but there are certainly some situations where it is better to be not part of a union than it is to be part of a union. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to every person's individual uh, decision. Ministry of Labor finding that most employees violate employment law. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, this is a big story uh, all over the news, Toronto Star and other places. So apparently what happened is the Ministry of Labor uh, conducted these spot audits of employers across uh, the province, and they found that 78% of those employers uh, uh, violated their obligations to the employees. 78% of them violated the Employment Standards Act. The uh, issues surrounded uh, vacation pay, overtime pay, statutory pay, hours of work, record keeping, all kinds of violations. And, uh, you know, I was I, I was doing an interview Wednesday morning on the John Oakley show, and I was asked mm-hmm. if I was surprised by that 78% number. And I said, yeah, I was very surprised. I was surprised it wasn't higher than 78%. I would have thought more, more yeah. employers even than that, simply because the employment standards that could be fairly convoluted. Uh, it's not designed for the lay person, the common person, to read and understand. It's, deci- it's designed for lawyers to try to debate what it says. And the Ministry of Labor itself is often not clear on what it says. So a lot of employers struggle with the uh, 
uh, Employment Standards Act, and you know they may not understand exactly the mechanism of of calculating vacation pay and statutory holidays. And every rule has an exception, and that exception has an exception. <laughs> so uh, it, it can be fairly complicated. So my best advice for employers is ask the Ministry of Labor for questions uh, if you're not sure, or, or get your own legal advice because you still have to be responsible for ensuring that you you comply with your legal obligations. You can't say I didn't know. Ignorance is not an excuse. Employees, if you feel that your rights are not being enforced in the workplace, you have to call the Ministry of Labor to find out about your rights. Remember, you can only do that with respect to issues such as overtime, vacation, holiday. You cannot do that with respect to termination. Yeah, you'll get the wrong info. They cannot and will not advise you with respect to your termination entitlements, but pretty much every other issue you can. Of course, you can also get some uh, legal advice as well. Uh, and hopefully the Ministry of Labor will see this as a, an opportunity to to educate employers on their legal obligations rather than just penalize employers right. if they get things wrong. We'll uh, get to severance pay calculator and get into the topic of things your employer won't tell you about the workplace, but we will. That's coming up here in the meantime. The number is uh, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com for some email. We'll get to one of those when we come back in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. This is the Employment Hour. The number is one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. That is the email. We'll get to one right off the hop here. Doreen in Hamilton writes in says, worked as a hairdresser full-time for five years. I get paid a fixed weekly salary. That doesn't change. I was let go, and the salon owner said that I was. Here it comes. You know, you know what I'm going to say. Independent contractor. Yep, so I wasn't entitled to any severance. Is that right? doesn't make a difference that I was paid HST. Yeah, and wow, uh, certainly not, not, not surprising. As soon as you said hairdresser, uh, I thought that this may be an employee-slash-independent contractor issue. So listen, if Doreen's worked full-time, regular hours uh, in one salon for five years, she is an employee. Full stop. That's it. She's an employee. doesn't matter if she's been taxed as an independent contractor. doesn't matter if she was paid HST or not. She's an employee. Therefore, uh, if she loses that position, she's entitled to severance, exactly the same as every other employee. So even though I don't know her age, uh, after five years as a hairdresser, she'd probably be looking at least at five, six months pay. It could be more if she's older. So again, the rule for Doreen, the rule for all our listeners, substance over form. If you work for a company exclusively for any length of time under their supervision, you are an employee. Doesn't matter what the piece of paper says, doesn't matter how you are taxed, or doesn't matter what they call you, you are actually an employee. We'll get to the things your employer won't tell you about uh, workplace rights, but we will. How about this? You don't have to sign an employment agreement if you're already employed. Yeah, so things an employer won't tell you. Who would have thought? I would have yeah. thought an employer will tell you everything. Yeah, of course. Of course. No. So some things an employer won't tell you. And yes, you certainly don't have to sign an employment agreement if you're already employed. Now, let's start off by making it very clear that for an employee, it is better not to have ever signed an employment agreement to be employed on a handshake is perfectly fine or to be employed with a very brief employment agreement is fine. Those things are much, much better than signing a 10-page document with a lot of legalese because in that document, in that 10-page document, there's going to be a ton of stuff that's going to be unfavorable to the employee that are that is going to be very good for the employer potentially, but could cost the employee a lot of money at some point down the road. So you avoid that problem but by actually working not having signed it. So an employer that's smart and knows that, this is, wait a second, John never did sign an employment agreement when he started with us a year ago, so let's have John sign an agreement now. 
So when the employer comes to you and says, John, uh, we, we want you to sign an employment agreement, please sign. And you may feel that you have to, or even the employer may tell you that you have to. Well, guess what? You do not have to. Uh, you Once you're employed, you don't have to sign an employment agreement. There's no penalty that can be imposed on you for not signing an employment agreement. You can be punished or disciplined or let go for cause. Uh, and there could be something in that agreement that uh, limits your future entitlements to severance, limits your severance in the future. So you sign that agreement and a month later you're let go. You get a fraction mm-hmm. of the severance you would have gotten a month earlier. So you don't want to do that. So in many cases, if you're offered an employment agreement, it's better not to sign or at the very least get some legal advice to understand what you are being asked to sign. You don't have to sign. What if they change your job a bit or there's a promotion or, or demotion, whatever, and they throw a, now they put a contract in front of you? So they tell you, we're going we're gonna to promote you, sign, sign this agreement. So effectively what the employer is saying, hey, we'll promote you if you sign the agreement. Right. Well, in that case, you have to make a decision. Is the promotion worth the terms that are in the agreement? Well, for, to know that, you'd have to first understand what the agreement says. So let me give you an example. So we're promoting you, John, good news. But you're signing an employment agreement that says we can change your job at any time, change your compensation at any time, and if we let you go, we don't have to pay you anything. Well, wait a second. You've agreed to a promotion, signed an agreement, but the agreement also says they can change your job at any time in compensation. Not much of a promotion really, right? No kidding. So in that situation, you may be able to say, well, employer, I want this promotion, but if you're going to promote me to this position, why are we agreeing to a term that says you can change my compensation and my job any time? So there's an opportunity to negotiate rather than just accepting the agreement and then realizing that the job that you thought you're going to have is not the job you end up having. Things your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will. You can't be temporary laid off. Well, no, you can't. And if uh, there's people, employers and employees that have not heard our show before, uh, they're probably sitting there now shaking their head and in shock uh, because there is this huge misconception for both employers and employees that people believe that you can be laid off temporarily. Well, the answer is you cannot. That's the truth. So what does that mean if your employer still says, I'm going to put you on a temporary layoff or maybe I'll call you back to work in 10 weeks? Well, you don't have to accept that. You can decide to accept that and wait and hope uh, you get called back to work or you can treat that now as a termination and get your full severance. There's no right to lay off temporarily. The act of laying off temporarily is a termination Hmm. if the employee chooses to treat it as a termination, okay? So employers should understand that by telling someone that they're on a layoff temporarily, uh, they may in fact be, be, be terminating them. The only way an employer can have the right to lay off temporarily is if they've done it before and the employee let them do it, or if they had the employee sign an employment agreement. Back to that, that again. Exactly. Yeah. That tells, says, yes, we can lay you off temporarily. Another thing, as you just alluded to, why you want to be very careful as an employee to watch you sign an employment agreement because one of the things it could do is give the employer the power to lay you off temporarily in the future. We'll take a uh, quick break. More emails coming up, and we'll continue with this topic. That is uh, the things that your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will. The number is one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The Employment Hour, indeed, the number one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We were talking about... Uh, the things your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will. Number three is the terms of your employment can't be changed in any significant way. 
Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure your employer is not going to tell you that. Uh, oftentimes what we see, or what I see, I should say, uh, is employers saying, well, you know, we've decided that we're going to change your job, we're going to change your compensation or job title, whatever it is, and, well, you don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. It's our way or the highway. Uh, and you may think, well, that's, I guess, the end of the, that analysis. That's the end of the discussion. Well, no, it's not that. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show when we talked about the week that was, uh, an employer does not have the right to change your job unilaterally in a significant way, in a negative way. Certainly, an employer can make good changes. They can mm -hmm. promote you. Uh, they can give you more money, more vacation, no problem. But if an employer wants to make, you know, what I'm going to call negative changes, demotion, reduction in pay, relocation, uh, you have a choice. And the choice is to accept or to leave and get your severance. So the choice is not you are fired and you don't get anything or you quit. It's you accept and continue working or you get your severance and move on. So remember, any significant change that's a negative change could result in a constructive dismissal. But again, I say, I say this every week and I'll say it again this week. No one please ever quit without speaking to me first. I don't want people resigning because they think it's a constructive dismissal. Mm -hmm. You have to be sure thinking is not good enough. So if you, you believe you're, you've been constructively dismissed or your employer has made an ultimatum to you, you have to give me a call. If you do accept it, do they not have to give you something for accepting that change? Well, if you accept the change, you accept the change. So right. if the employer says to you, John, I'm reducing your, your pay by 15%, you're going to not be happy. But if you hmm. decide to accept, you accept and you continue working. And the problem is next year when they say we want to reduce it by another 15%. You do it again. Guess what? You gave them the right. Now you can't even object to it. Now you can't even say constructive dismissal because you've created this history. Things your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will on this show. You get overtime even if you're on uh, salary. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in this day and age, I would have thought that this, this should be clear, but I, I see this still every single week. Uh, employers not paying overtime when they're supposed to because, well, the employee is not an hourly paid employee. They get salary. They get paid 500 bucks a week or whatever it is. So let's make it very clear. Even if you are on salary, you get paid overtime as long as you work more than 44 hours a week. That's true for all employees that are regulated provincially here in Ontario. So if you work more than 44 hours a week, you get overtime, which means you get time and a half for any hours over 44 hours a week. So even if you get a salary, that salary is only good for 44 hours mm -hmm. a week. Anything beyond that is time and a half. So any employee, doesn't matter if you have a huge salary or a small salary, uh, you get overtime, obviously hourly employees. There's exemptions from overtime. So and there's certain categories of employees that do not get overtime. For example, managers do not get overtime. Okay, So if you're a manager, it doesn't matter hourly or salary, you don't get overtime. Certain professionals don't get overtime. Lawyers, doctors, um, accountants, etc. don't get overtime. Other categories of, of employees may not get overtime. But otherwise, yes, employees get overtime even if they are on salary. What if the business is sold? You don't have to accept the job with the new buyer. Yeah, and uh, uh, very true. A lot of uh, employers, again, they won't tell you that. So the employer is selling the business. The buyer is offering you a job and say, well, you know, you can quit or you can accept the job with the buyer. I see this all the time. Believe, me, believe it or not, all the time. Well, that's not the case. This is something your employer is not telling you. What they're not telling you is you do not have to accept the job with the buyer. And even if you don't accept the job with the buyer, it's a termination, not a resignation, which means you get severance. Now, how much severance? 
depends on the reason as to why you did not accept the change, uh, the, uh, the job with the buyer. So if there's a good reason why you didn't accept, uh, maybe the job is very different, less money, different location, you get your full severance from, uh, from uh, your company. If there's not a good reason, you just decided you don't want to, you may get less severance, but you still get severance. So it's not true at all. It's wrong to think that if you don't accept with the job, a job with the buyer, if there's a sale of a business, that you've quit. Not even close. one 821 5900 is the number, and the email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Saul in Toronto writes in, says, I work as a payroll clerk and I have to work extra hours to get the job done, but my employer insists that I should get the job done on time and he won't pay me overtime. Can I get overtime, and can the employer say that I just wasn't efficient enough with my time? Very good question. And, you know, it, it often goes beyond that. Oftentimes employers say, well, we have a policy that says you don't get paid overtime unless that overtime is approved. So if you ask to work overtime, we approve it, we'll pay you. If you just work overtime, we didn't approve it, we don't pay you. That's wrong. Believe it or not, John, an employer has to pay overtime if the overtime hours were worked, even if the employer didn't approve it. Now, if an employee works overtime and the employer has a policy that says you're not allowed to work overtime uh, if we don't approve it, and the employee still does, well, the employer can potentially discipline the employee. They could warn them, suspend them potentially for misconduct. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that if the overtime is actually worked, the employer has to pay overtime. So in Saul's case, yes, if he's worked overtime, he has to get it paid. If he worked more than 44 hours a week, he has to get paid for time and a half for any hours over 44 hours a week. There's really no uh, exceptions to that. If the, if the if his employer doesn't come with any sort of solution to uh, you know help him get the work done on time and he does this again and again and he's been warned, can he eventually be disciplined to the point where he's fired? Well, it's a question of what's reasonable. If, if it was uh, unreasonable for him to work overtime. He really should have been able to get the job done within less than 44 hours, and he didn't because he's not efficient, doesn't work hard, he's, uh, he's just, you know, t- sits around talking to people all yeah. day. Well, then, yeah, he absolutely can be disciplined. But if the reason he has to work overtime is because the work volume is unreasonable and he couldn't reasonably finish it in less than 44 hours a week, absolutely not. He could not be disciplined. And in fact, if the employer tries to discipline him, that act could potentially be treated as a constructive dismissal. So really, the the, the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. Take a short break. 1-855-821-5900 is that number. And Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour coming right up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The Employment Hour, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and Lior at employmenthour.com via email. We were talking about uh, before the break, before we got the last email, the things that your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will down the list we go to. The size of the company doesn't matter when it comes to severance. You, you, you've heard the saying, I'm sure, before, John, the size doesn't matter, right? <sighs> well, you know, uh, story of my life, son. <laughs> Uh, different different topic, sorry. But uh, ultimately, the size of the company really is irrelevant to the amount of severance that's owed to the employee. Uh, and a lot of smaller employers believe mistakenly that because they're a small company, they either do not have to pay severance if they let someone go, mm-hmm. or they only have to pay a, a very small amount of severance. Well, that, that is wrong. That is false. The size of the company is irrelevant. Okay. Okay. The factors that go into deciding how much severance you get are your age, position, and the length of your employment. The longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position you have, the more you're owed, not the size of the company. So you could be working for a year for a company 
with two employees or a year for a company with a thousand employees, the amount of severance is going to be the same, all other factors being equal. So uh, because of that, very important to understand if you lost your job and you work for a tiny little uh, shop with uh, one other employee, guess what? You get severance, you get your full severance, and the place to go to, of course, is severancepaycalculator.com. You mentioned the uh, the matrix, the uh, the mathematics of, of, of sourcing that severance a moment ago. So let's talk about that, probably the number one on this list, that is you're likely owed more severance than what you've been offered. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's probably right. That is the, the number one thing your employer will not tell you. Uh, and employers are not going to tell you, hey, we offered you the severance, but guess what? You're owed more. Right, so that's not going to happen. It's up to you to determine and decide uh, whether you've gotten proper severance. And you know, I'm here to help. I've been you know helping people for many years and on the radio uh, for a while. So you call me at my office. You call us on the show. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. And John, 90% of people when they're let go, and I'm being very conservative when mm-hmm. I say only 90%. 90% of people when they're let go are offered inadequate severance, not even close. Uh, and uh, for the most part, it's very easy to improve it. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It doesn't take a long time. You just need to know uh, that you have to do that. So your employer is not going to tell you that you really owed more. Guess what? I just told you that. You so it. call me. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. The law is there to help you, but the law cannot help you if you won't let it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. Uh, we're talking about the things your employer won't tell you about. Uh, employment law, but we will right here. That is, you can take the uh, very long disability leave and still remain employed. Yeah, no, a very big one. And, uh, you know, your employer is often not going to tell you, yeah, you, you go off on disability for as long as you need to and just call us when you're ready to go back to work. Well, that's what they should be saying hmm. because if you're unable to work for medical uh, medical reasons and if you have a doctor supporting that absence, irrespective of whether there's a long-term disability plan through your employer or there isn't one, you're allowed to be on a medical leave of absence until you're able to go back to work. doesn't matter if that means you have to be work, off work for a week, a month, a year, several years even, okay? You are able to, to be off work and you still are employed, which means that if you come back to work and for some reason now there's no job for you, even though you've been gone for two years, you get your full severance and those two years count towards your seniority. So yes, you can be on leave. What do you need? For that, you need a doctor saying you cannot work. As long as you have that, guess what? You can be on leave usually as long as you need to be. We'll get to an email here as we uh, carry on. Sean writes in from Markham at Lior at EmploymentHour.com. My severance letter says that if I find another job, the employer will stop paying me severance and give me half of what is owed. Is that right? Is it legal? So, you know, there's two ways severance can be paid and two two possibilities that an employer is going to use in the severance letter. One is the money is guaranteed. So, John, we're letting you go. We're paying you 12 months pay. All the best to you. Uh, have a good life. Now, uh, that's option one. Option number two may be, John, we're going to pay you 12 months pay. However, we're not going to give it to you in one payment. We're going to pay you over time. You'll get your check every two weeks for 12 months. But, John, if you find another job while we're still paying you, mm-hmm. we're going to cut you off and give you half of whatever is still outstanding. Obviously, all things being equal, you'd rather get the first option. You'd like to get the guaranteed payment. Now, is it legal? Yes. The answer is that both options are legal as long as the period of time for which the employer is going to pay the employee is appropriate. So if they say 12 months, 16 months, 3 months, 24 months, as long as that is the right period of time, 
the employer usually has the choice whether to make the payment guaranteed or to make it subject to a reduction if you find another job. What's important to understand is that in most cases, the, the period of time for which they're offered to pay you is not appropriate. And even in situations where uh, they've offered you that 50% clawback, that's often something you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, get to more of our points here. In fact, our last one on this lengthy list of things that your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but we will. That is doing some things wrong does not mean you can be let go for cause. Yeah, and uh, an employer is going to say often, well, you know, here's what you did wrong. You, you made a mistake here or, you know, you screwed up over there. So uh, we're going to let you go for cause. We don't have to pay you. And you may think, well, they're right. I did screw up there. I did make that mistake. So clearly they can let me go. Well, that's wrong. Uh, doing something wrong, screwing up is not cause. Cause is a situation where you're guilty of some significant misconduct that's repeated and where the employees try to fix the problem and has failed. So that's very, very difficult to do. So you can only be let go for cause in extreme situations and doing something wrong is not one of them. Your employer can still let you go for any reason, but that's a without cause termination. Right which means you have to get paid severance. So that's the that's the distinction here. Doing something wrong does not mean you can be let go for cause. Um, most employers pull the trigger on, on a termination for cause way before they should. We'll get to one in Barry before the break. Says uh, through email, I received notice of termination, but this was extended three times before I was finally let go. Is it appropriate for the employer to extend the notice of termination like that that many times? No, <clears throat> excuse me. No, it's not appropriate. And the reason why it's not appropriate is because when your notice is extended, you're, you're told, you know, you're gone, you're gone June 1st, then you're gone September 1st, then you're gone December the 31st. Well, now you don't know. You don't know what your last day is going to be because it kept getting changed. Maybe it's going to get changed again. Should I be looking for work? Should I not be looking for work? So if you get notice of termination and that notice gets extended several times, like in this email that we received, guess what? That notice doesn't count. So if your employment eventually does come to an end, it's as if you never received notice at all, which means you get your full severance. So an employer cannot repeatedly extend notice of termination. We'll take a a quick break. Lots more to go here. We'll get into resignation. Some more emails before we uh, finish off this hour. The number 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number to get hold of Lior anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Email it is Lior at employmenthour.com. Let's touch on a bit of uh, of the resignation topic before we get to a couple more emails and wrap up for the day. We'll still tell you and give you more details about severancepaycalculator.com. In the meantime, you can go there right now as you're listening and, and check it out. You don't need our, our guide to get through it. Uh, can an employee be forced to resign? No, an employee can never be forced to resign, John, because if they're forced to resign, it's not a resignation. A resignation is something that an employee does unilaterally and voluntarily. The employee decides they don't want to work. It's their decision. No one made them uh, reach that decision. Then they resign. That's a resignation. If you're being told, hey, you have to resign, we're telling you you have no choice. Well, I guess I have no choice. What am I going to do? I'm going to resign. That's not a resignation. That is a termination. So if you left because someone told you you have no choice but to leave, guess what? You've been terminated. You are owed severance. Even though you may have said that the words resign or quit or retire, Mm -hmm. you can't be made to quit. You can't be made to retire. You can't be made to resign. 
We'll get to another one here on resignation. That is, what if an employer is given an ultimatum? Resign or we fire you. Yeah, and it very oftentimes happens. You know, employee, we think you did something wrong. So unless you resign, we're going to fire you. And guess what? If we're going to fire you, then you're not going to get employment insurance. Well, that's wrong. First of all, unless you did something bad, something so bad that could be just cause for termination, maybe you stole, maybe you lost a $2 million client because of your negligence. Unless you did something that bad, guess what? They cannot let you go for cause. They can let you go without cause, pay you severance, and you get EI. Uh, so that's not really a concern. So if you're being threatened that uh, you have to resign or you're going to be fired unless you did something awful, it's better not to resign. It's better for the employer to terminate you because I promise you, you'll get your severance, you'll get your EI, uh, and, and that won't even be an issue. We talked about changes in the workplace and changes to your actual work. That has something to do with this uh, following email from Miriam comes in from Vaughn. says, my boss treats me very badly and is always rude. He's now reduced my days of work from five days a week to three. Is there something I can do? Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully by, by now we would have indirectly answered uh, Miriam's question. Obviously, in a situation where your, your job has changed from five days to three days, presumably the compensation is going to be changed accordingly. That's a constructive dismissal with a cherry on top. Clearly, that's a significant enough of a change. So, Miriam, you don't have to accept that change. You can obviously choose to accept and continue working if that's what you want to do. Or you can leave and get your full severance, especially if you're in a work environment where you're already not treated well. It may be better off to just leave, get your full severance, uh, find another job where you're going to be treated better. So that's a constructive dismissal, Miriam. Give me a call before you do anything. one 821 5900 And that's kind of the next topic under the resignation banner, that is, or any other situations where it is better just to resign than to be let go. Yeah, there are some situations, and generally speaking, uh, it's better to resign than to accept really negative terms, uh, negative changes to the terms of your employment. So it may be better off to resign rather than accepting a big pay cut or resign better rather than accepting a demotion. Because by accepting those things, you give the employer the right to do it again, and it can cost you down the road. So, uh, and But then, if you do resign in those situations, by the way, John, it's actually not a resignation. Mm-hmm. If you resign because your employer is telling you you're going to take a 30% pay cut, that is not a resignation. That's a constructive dismissal. You still get severance uh, in that situation, but you may be better off to just leave rather than to continue working in, in those situations. How about this one? You go in and you have a bit of a, a tussle or a little bit of a dust up with your boss in the heat of the moment. You just quit, walk out, I'm done, I'm out of here. Well, here's, here's what happens in a heat of the moment resignation. If an employee is able to take it back fairly quickly after, you know, within a day or so and say, you know, this was just in the heat of the moment, I didn't mean it, uh, you know, it's not, I, I, I want to continue working, then they can take it back and the employee is able to go back to work. If the employer says, well, no, no, yesterday you told us you resigned. Now you're telling me you just hit at the moment. Well, if they, they won't let the employee come back to work, it becomes a termination. So when that happens often, sometimes, you know, there's a bit of an argument. You know, cooler heads are not prevailing. People are saying things they don't mean. And you may say, that's it. I'm out of here. And, mm-hmm. and uh, if you realize what you've done, if that's not what you meant to do, contact your employer. Email works well because that way there's a written record. Uh, and you say, no, just so you know, this was heat of the moment. I didn't mean it. I want to come back to work right away. If you come back to work, great. If your employer refuses to let you come to come back to work, that is a resi- uh, sorry, that is a termination at that point, and you would get your full severance. 
1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We're talking about uh, points under the topic of resignation. Now, if an employee does uh, want to resign, how much notice do they have to give? Well, there's actually no written law that stipulates the amount of notice an employee has to uh, give an employer. Unlike an employer that lets, wants to let go an employee, there's various ro- uh, uh, rules and laws they have to comply with. The same thing doesn't apply to an employee. Yeah, usually it's a question of what is reasonable. Now, the more senior a position you have, the more important a position you have, the more notice you should be giving your employer. Because if you don't, they may incur financial losses. You know, if you're working uh, in a lower level position, you may not have to give any notice whatsoever. Usually, I would say every employee should give at least two weeks uh, notice, Mm -hmm. uh, just not to burn bridges and to be fair. Now, if you're in a very, very senior position, you may actually want to tell your employer, employer, just so you know, I'm going to be leaving. Let's talk about what is reasonable, how much notice you actually need from me, and try to work out with them what is appropriate. Now, that that would apply to the most senior executives. Everyone that's not a senior executive, usually two, three weeks should be more than enough. SeverancePayCalculator.com before we wrap. So yeah, right before we wrap up, John, uh, anyone that's lost their job or anyone that knows someone uh, that's lost their job should check out uh, SeverancePayCalculator.com. It's a tool that I created uh, a couple of years back, and it provides that information, that, that elusive information that everyone should have, how much am I owed? whether I just lost my job now, I'm worried about losing my job, or maybe I lost my job in the past. SeverancePayCalculator.com, you input your age, your position, the length of your employment. Mm -hmm. It's free. It's anonymous. Really, really easy to use. Anyone can use it. Uh, So SeverancePayCalculator.com. Tell everyone you know about it. We're done for another week. If you have uh, questions as well outside of the show hours in about a minute or two, you can go to terminationquestions.com. Is there uh, down there as well? There's a drop-down menu. Your question's probably been answered. There's uh, lots of questions have been asked and answered, so go through that as well. Until next time, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.